0: Hello and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Schultz. The NFL Draft is coming up April 28th, less than two weeks away. So, leading up to the draft, I'm going to be talking draft just about every day with my friend EJ Snyder. You know him from bootleg football. He's the co-host there with Brett Coleman. And you can also catch him while listening to Bears Over Beers as part of Windy City Gridiron. That's on the SB Nation Network. The way we're going to do this is we're going to start by focusing on the offensive position groups. Today, we're going to be starting with quarterback. We'll move on to talk running back, receivers, tight ends, interior offensive line, and closing with tackles. And then we'll get into defense the following week. And it's going to be a lot of fun talking draft because this should be a big one for the Seahawks. And I'm happy to be getting into it with EJ. Follow him at the Draftsman FB out on Twitter. EJ how are you doing
1: i'm doing great it is almost christmas time uh somebody was trying to rush that the other day and said to me i can't wait for the draft to get here and i was like "Ah, ah, ah, i need the time and don't don't rush christmas it's coming so enjoy the process leading up to it here you gotta shake
0: you gotta shake the packages that's right
1: i am busy shaking packages that is an excellent description yeah, and then we'll get to see what ultimately
0: we get to open on draft day. And I think one, we get to start with one of the most fun position groups to talk about, which is quarterback, because, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, the Seahawks they signed Geno Smith to a one-year, seven million up to seven million dollar yes. deal. Uh, they've got Drew Lock on the roster, but I, I think we can all we all know that they're not done. They're probably going to be looking for quarterback. Shoot. They might even look toward Baker Mayfield if that works out, too. He's mm-hmm. he's going to need a job somewhere. But let's start off with the one guy that we know at quarterback who has had a top 30 visit with the Seahawks. And that is Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter, who Mel Kuyper, he mocked to the Seahawks at number 40 in one of his latest mock drafts, which absolutely means that Desmond Ritter will not be a Seahawk but we're going to talk about him anyway, EJ.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, he's a fun player to talk about. Uh, The funny thing about mock drafts in general, and I don't tend to do mock drafts for those that aren't familiar with my work. I do prospect evaluation, which is not, you know, putting them with the slot they may end up with. Um, Mel does that, has for years, uh, you know, uh, somewhat successfully, maybe not for the Seahawks.
0: I I just can't think of the last time a guy he picked Ended up with the Seahawks, and I know it gets tough, especially when you're drafting toward the end of the round. I mean, once or it gets to that point, or you're talking about
1: what John Schneider's going to do, which is the other one. That's the card. other part of it. Yes, so that that makes Mel's job pretty tough. But uh, Ritter, in particular, has had I don't want to say a meteoric rise, and and rises are more a media creation than a team creation. But interest in Desmond Ritter is peaking as people, especially the draft public, work through his film see what's there, compare him to the other quarterbacks. And look, we know this quarterback is a high demand, low supply position. And so people will always say, oh, I wouldn't spend a first rounder on Desmond Ritter. I probably wouldn't either in a given year. But if I want a quarterback and I don't get Desmond Ritter and he goes in the first round, which he's going to do, then what? Right. And the answer is nothing. Like you either have to go get Baker or if you're not lucky enough to do that, then what, then you're going through a year with Gino and Drew Locke. And maybe that's not the greatest combination to try and, you know, win the NFC West with. So it's, maybe that's not
0: even the goal, but
1: yeah, maybe that's not even the goal. That's a great point. But Ritter has had a lot of interest of late, certainly in the last week or two. And, before it was like he might not go in the first round. So he could have possibly been there at 40. I would be very surprised given the last 10 days to two weeks of buzz if Ritter is there even at, you know, 28. Like I I think he is going to be one of those guys that everybody says, oh, oh, we didn't think he was a first rounder two months ago. And then, you know, two quarterbacks go and it's who blinks next. And somebody will blink they always do every year
0: so who do you have how do you rank out your quarterbacks right now Has that changed at mm. all since we've been talking is you know Malik Willis still the the number one guy is you know we got because I, I feel like the four main guys are Corral Pickett and I think we talked about Corral quite a bit last time we did uh, Corral Pickett Willis and Ritter I, I feel like those are the top four
1: depends on who you talk to uh, three of them for sure. Um, the one that's sort of slipped lately as, again, as somebody goes up, somebody usually goes down. Ritter has started to ascend. People have started to say, I like the combination of, of assets he brings and the potential, which is the big word in the NFL draft. What could he grow into? They're starting to like that in general out of Ritter. And they're starting to worry about it a bit more out of Pickett, who is a very experienced player. Um meaning if you're in draft terms, slightly overaged, uh, you know, Is he close to his ceiling? Right? Is he as developed as he's going to get? Does he have a lot left to sort of grow? Um, that's been the question, and that's pushed him down. I think Pickett was, was never really consensus number one, but he was consensus number two on a lot of boards for a long time. He's started to tumble off that because I think people are worried about the fact that what Pickett is now, which is good, is about where he's going to be, and there's not going to be a ton of growth there. So he's slid a little bit, but we can start with Malik Willis because Willis is the one guy in this draft that has physical tools, to go fight the Titans, right? And by Titans, I don't mean the folks that play in Tennessee. I mean, the Josh Allens, the Patrick Mahomes, that Mahomes versus Allen game last year really sort of set GMs on their ear and said, if you don't have one of these guys, what are you doing? Right. Right. And not everybody can have one of those guys. And so you better build your team a different way and hope to find an advantage. But if you want to go toe to toe and score points with those, machines mutants titans whatever you want to call them those top tier physically gifted quarterbacks you're going to need one and the only guy that really fits that in this draft if he makes it is malik willis got a cannon for an arm he's a load as a runner he's a very talented guy played at a small school uh there's some worry but he's a very sharp guy mentally um there is the belief that he is the guy that if he develops could go fight in that top 10 of quarterbacks in the nfl so he's going to go first based on that alone yeah i tend to think his floor is a little bit higher than most people do because even when the play breaks down he's going to be able to get you yards and seattle fans are fully aware of that having russ in the building for the last 10 years they they know that that's a valuable asset he's going to be able to do that from day one and he's going to uncork some crazy deep shots because he's got a cannon for an arm so Willis is that kind of cemented number one guy with that word potential that we talked about. Then opinions vary, right? Depends <laughs> on the team. Right. It was it was pretty much Pickett for a while. I think Pickett's kind of tumbling out of that position. Ritter's pushing up. Is he number two for certain teams? Mm, depends. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about Corral last time. I tend to think Corral's pretty good, but there's this time of year there's whispers about everybody, positive and negative. Um, Corral is going to be one of the one of the quarterbacks Seattle fans need to watch the most closely because they have a direct link, right? And it's the Kiffin family, right? Pete Carroll knows Monty. Monty's right. son Lane is the. The Coast head coach now at, at USC, Miss, right? right? Coast with, so the, the Kiffins and Pete Carroll know each other very well. And, you know, Matt Corral has been Lane Kiffin's quarterback for the last two years. So if he needs any beta, he's going to get the best possible beta on Matt Corral. Whether or not he likes what he hears, whether or not John Schneider agrees with him, who knows? But that link is very direct. In fact, there's a picture that I've posted of Matt Corral standing there with Monty and John and Pete at the combine, right? Like talking in the, talking in the stance, like that link is pretty strong and well-established. Will they go for it? Don't know. Could they slide down a little bit and go for it? I think Matt Corral would be a great pro quarterback. He's got a very good, not great, but very good arm can make all the throws. He's very, very mobile. So, talented runner he actually needs to back off that a little bit because he's about 215 pounds and even in the sec he would put his head down and try and run over you know bama linebackers not a great idea but that aggression is actually one of the things i like about him it got him into a little bit of trouble last year had a higher than higher than liked interception total he toned that down this year but he will take the shot and i think that is something that is very hard to coach into somebody. And, you know, conversely, it's one of the things I worry about with Kenny Pickett. There are shots on tape that are available that he doesn't take. And you're like, man, in the NFL, you got to take that. That is NFL open. You know, you get one-on-one on on the backside of three by one, which is a a play that the Hawks know and love with DK. If DK and his guy are close like that, Kenny Pickett, if he ends up being quarterback, is going to have to let that ball go. Like he has to. And he doesn't. He'll check it down. And he'll make a throw and they'll pick up yards. But there's a piece of that that you can't get into a guy. And with Corral, you wouldn't have to worry about it. He has that piece. If anything, you're going to have to dial that back a little bit. But he's got great skills. He can read the whole field, played in an advanced offense. He's got a very good arm. He's a great runner. So Corral is a very real possibility. And you have the link with the leadership matching the Seahawks. So somebody the Hawks fans are going to have to keep a close eye on.
0: Corral at QB, Carol as head coach. I, I don't see how that will get confused or mixed up at all. And, and so for that reason alone, I think it's a very real possibility. But now that we've hit on most of the top guys, there's a couple other names I, I want to get into, including one player who may end up having to sit out the upcoming season. He's incredibly intriguing, though. Let's talk about him coming up next. Talking to EJ Snyder of Bootleg Football. If you like what you're hearing from EJ and you really want to get in deep into their draft rankings, search for Bootleg Football out on Patreon. Five bucks a month gets you their exclusive rankings leading up to the draft. And we are talking quarterbacks on the show today. And one of the guys that intrigues me the most, though, is not in that group of quarterbacks. And when I heard you and Brett on uh-huh. one of the latest episodes of bootleg football, you know, I'm who you know who this I'm going to is, this already. Is my fault.
1: I, I'm going to just fess up now and say this is on me. This is my bad. No, my even fault.
0: before even before that, because watching Carson Strong play at Nevada, I went and watched some of his stuff last year. I knew he had True. limited mobility. And so I went back and watched the year before. And it's not like he was all that mobile even the the year before. But he shouldn't have played last year, essentially, is what you're saying.
1: That's correct. Carson Strong is a fascinating evaluation. Quarterback evaluations are always fascinating because all these questions come into play. What are the physical attributes? What is the ceiling? What is the floor? Can they learn? Will they progress? Do they have aggression? What's the physical state? You know, all those things kind of meld together and then you have to come up with a summary, right? And it's better for some teams, worse for others. Uh, You balance potential versus risk. The potential with Carson Strong is as high as any player in this class. Like you saw him make plays this year. The reason he's even in this conversation as a top five or six quarterback, we haven't talked about Sam Howell yet, but right. like the reason that Carson Strong is in that conversation is because he made all those throws. There are gobstopping throws on tape. Tape throws that nobody else in this class can make, including Malik. And he did it on one leg. Like he has a blood flow issue with some cartilage in his knee. I'm not a doctor. Apparently the prognosis, if you get the procedure is pretty good. He's got some cadaver ligaments in there already and you know, it can be repaired, but it's a long healing process because of blood flow, whatever else, which is what he was told this year. If you have the procedure, you won't be on the field for this year. You're going to basically have to take the whole year off. And he said, no, I want to go play with my teammates. Like I want to have the last year with them. And I mean, I know I'm going to have to do some things physically to accommodate for that because I'm going to be limping around. And he was, you could see him on the field. He's dragging that leg behind him. And all those throws that are super attractive, he made on a 50% base. He made on one leg and he was still making throws that other people in this class can't make. So if you don't need a quarterback and you said something interesting earlier about the Hawks, maybe that's not the goal. If you don't need a quarterback this year, if you don't think you're going to win, you don't think you're going to compete for the Super Bowl and you can spend, might even be a high third round pick on Carson Strong and let him sit let him get it fixed, let him heal, let him take mental reps. And he comes back at full strength. You could have a very talented pro quarterback who would have a probably top 12 arm in the league, which is ridiculous. Um, Makes good decisions. Great leader. People say, Oh, he wasn't mobile before people mix up mobility and being a rushing threat. Yeah. Like, Mobility is what Tom Brady does in the pocket to stay away from the pass rush. He's one of the best in the league at it, has been for a very long time. He is mobile within the pocket, but he's not going to go gash you for 15 yards down the field. Whereas if you let Lamar Jackson out of the pocket, he might go 85 and score. You let Kyler out of the pocket, everybody knows what happens in the NFC West. So Carson Strong was never going to be a run threat, but most quarterbacks in the NFL aren't. right? Right? But you can be immobile in the pocket like Nick Foles, and it can be very detrimental to your game because you're a statue, people have a fixed point to aim at, and they're going to come hit you. Uh, that's not good for your health. So Carson Strong is very good at moving within the pocket. He would be even better at moving within the pocket with two legs. He's never going to take off and gash you for 25 yards. He's never been that player, but it is, I will say, highly tempting to imagine a fully healthy Carson Strong fire the ball deep downfield to a DK Metcalf that like that would be cool cuz he throws a hell of a deep ball
0: yeah and i just i don't know whether or not they would they would, they would take <laughs> that drastic of a swing to go from You know, a guy like Russ who, you know, he can get out and move around. And I know Pete Carroll likes that aspect of, you know, having your Mm -hmm. quarterback able to do that sort of thing to going to someone who is a relative statue. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating to me. But when I see some of the throws that he makes, then, yeah, I, I go, oh, yeah, I could I could deal with that.
1: They set you back a pace there. There are throws that definitely you rewind it and go What? (laughs) Well, especially when you compare it
0: to some of the other guys in the class, you just don't see them making those types of throws.
1: Not that throw. You talked about mobility, and that is actually a strong card in the Matt Corral sort of hat is he is extremely mobile. He is a running threat. He can play the full boot game just like Russ. He can get out wide. He can do it quickly. He can throw on the run very well. So that's that's a strong card. Um, Malik has that as well. Um, Sam Howell has that too. Sam Howell's uh, you know, the University of North Carolina quarterback who had a very good year and actually turned himself into a rushing threat because pretty much all of his offensive weapons from the year before went to the NFL draft. Both wide receivers, both running backs, including one who's in Denver now, they left and he knew he was going to have to gain more yards with his legs if his team was going to be competitive and he had a hell of a rushing season for UNC this year. Um, Throws a pretty good deep ball, but can be more inconsistent. So he's he's probably going to slide. He's a second-round guy, in my opinion, in terms of where he will be drafted. Value, he might be a top-of-the-third-round guy for me. But in reality, he'll go in the second because, again, somebody will say, hey, there's the most capable quarterback remaining on the board. We can get him in the second. Let's give it a shot uh, because there are many quarterback-needy teams in the NFL.
0: One last guy I want to get your take on before we get on out of here for this episode is Jack Cohen from Notre Dame. That's one that we haven't talked about, but yep. I'm curious of your thoughts.
1: Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Just, just no. I saw him live and in person for four days. Uh I think Jack Cohen can be a very nice clipboard holder or guy that uh comes in for a game a year. Um, you know. So he's not keep- like
0: this year's Davis Mills or anything.
1: I don't think so. Now, the caveat that all your listeners should be fully familiar with is all of us don't know what we're talking about (laughs) because one out of three in the draft is a great hit rate. So I can sit here and say, look, I watched Jack Cohn play for four days in person at the Shrine Bowl this year. And no, I wouldn't draft him. Like, if he's an undrafted free agent, you want to bring him in as a camp arm and see if there's something there? Okay, fine. Would I invest a draft pick in him? I wouldn't. I think there's a lot of other players in this draft that I would draft before him. A um, lot of pedigree, not a ton of, again, growth potential. And there are people that will argue this point with me. I actually know of at least one analyst who believes Jack Cohn is QB1. Now, I think that's a crazy take, um, but he could he could be right. I could be wrong. In general, Jack Cone not super well regarded in the analyst community. And having seen him up close, which I can't say about all these quarterbacks, but I can say about Cone, I wouldn't spend a draft pick on him. Um, doesn't mean he's a bad person or a terrible player. It means I think there are better options available. He's EJ
0: Snyder of Bootleg Football. Follow him out on Twitter at TheDraftsmanFB. And yes, check out those exclusive draft rankings through their Bootleg Football Patreon page. Five bucks a month gets you access. EJ, I, I'm looking forward to doing more of these leading up to the draft. So tune back in tomorrow. We're going to be talking running backs. I know it's one of EJ's favorite positions to evaluate. So be sure you are subscribed to the show so you can get notified as soon as the next episode is out. Also, check out fieldgoals.com. The SB Nation writers mock draft is underway. And our editor, Mookie Alexander, he went offensive line for that first pick. Head on over to the website to see who he selected for Seattle. Looking forward to more draft talk over the next two weeks. And until next time, go Hawks.